All right, welcome back to Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Ginelli. Um, wow, what the last 24 hours that we have, we have had. Um, last week, we saw Carlos Correa, um, um, unofficially, I should say, as keywords as I talk about this. Carlos Correa and the Giants agreed to a 13-year, $350 million deal. And then at about... 4 p.m. yesterday, uh, 4 or 5 p.m. yesterday, it starts going through the news cycle that the Giants canceled a press conference. They were all set to introduce Correa as their new starting shortstop for the next 13 years. And all of a sudden, you hear the press conference canceled. There's some issues with a physical... um, and, and I've been following uh, Susan Slusser, who covers the Giants for the San Francisco Chronicle, um, Bay Area reporter. And it, 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 as the details are starting to come out, it had something to do with an old injury that was pre-MLB days and has not occurred. Now, remember, Carlos Correa has been in the major leagues for, I think, seven or eight years now. Obviously, with him, you know, getting to free agency for the second straight year after spending one year in um, in Minnesota after starting his career with the Houston Astros, but that flagged, and the doctors cleared him and said it was not going to be an issue, and the Giants said uh, no. They they disagreed with the doctors, so uh, I don't know if how uh, how real that was, and maybe it was Carlos Correa getting cold feet and saying, maybe I don't want to do this, and and so you know my thinking was last night, and my last my thinking last night was all right, the Giants will probably restructure the contract, they'll figure something out. Um, and then they'll they'll rework a new day to introduce Carlos Correa to the Giants uh, media and fan base. Then comes about three in the morning when we're all sleeping, and it's reported uh, by John Heyman, um, and it's now it's now reached Ken Rosenthal, John Morosi, all those MLB insiders that Carlos Correa has agreed to a twelve year, three hundred and fifteen million dollar deal. To become a New York Met. And it was late last night. And now Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, was vacationing in Hawaii. So figure about 9, 10 o'clock. Because the news came out around 3 a.m. So figure, you know, through the dinner hours last night in Hawaii to about 10, 11 o'clock. You're, you're, you're looking at. You know, he's on the phone with Scott Boris. They're they're negotiating the deal. And we've seen what the relationship is between Scott Boris and Steve Cohen because, you know, first of all, Brandon Nimmo, who re-signed with the Mets on an eight-year, $162 million deal, um, you know, he's a Boris client, right? And the Mets are not going afraid to work with Boris clients. Now that, you know, Steve Cohen has the big pockets, um, you know, and we're not under the Wilpon ownership anymore. And that's a good thing for, that's a good thing for the Mets and it's a good thing for baseball. 
And, you know, we'll get to the Mets payroll in a second. But going back to Correa here, um, this deal gets hammered out late last night. And everybody's waking up. Everybody's in a, in a frenzy, right? Very, you know, very rarely am I late to news, right? I'm always on top of news like this. But this happens late at night. And I'm waking up this morning at about 8.45. And... I see a text from my I see a text from my dad and I see it's from three AM. I'm like, what? And it's it says Carlos Correa to the Mets. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me! I mean, this this is unbelievable. If you're a Mets fan, um, I don't know. Listen, I think more details are going to come out, and you know, and I'll continue to check back on Susan Slusser's uh, Twitter, but you know. So, and here's a good tweet from about 27 minutes ago um, from Susan Slusser. Scott Boris tells me that after the Giants canceled their press conference yesterday, they indicated they still want to negotiate about Correa, but he didn't hear anything more from them. 12 hours later, the Mets deal got worked out. And here's here, here are some other things that go with it. It sounds that the... If there was, it sounds as if there was a very old injury pre MLB, like I had mentioned, that was raised as a potential issue. It is not cropped up again. None of, of of Correa's other physical issues have required medical intervention or ongoing treatment. So whatever he's had in the past, like I know it's been talked about that Carlos Correa has had that's a back issues, um, but clearly, um, it's not something rigorous. Like we kind of heard what was going on with Mike Trout. Um, during the middle of last year. And obviously Mike Trout ended up coming back and having a strong second half of the season after the injury. But it's it's some, it's some a, it's a condition where Mike Trout's going to have to manage for the rest of his career. This does not seem the case with Carlos Correa. Um, it sounds like, you know, as a 28-year-old, he could still go about his business as normal. Um, and then Susan Slosser also adds on to... The tweet by saying, if this was a true medical concern, it sounds a little tenuous. And if it was a matter of cold feet, that's usually ownership, not the front office. Um, we won't know what happened from their viewpoint unless the, or, unless or until the Giants discuss this, if they do. I don't know. Um, you rarely see something like this from a very, very long-term deal. And... It it makes you it just I, I think it makes you wonder that the ownership didn't want to commit thirteen years. And obviously, um you know, Steve Cohen wouldn't have talked to John Heyman and commented on the matter if they didn't fe- if they felt like there was gonna be something that prevented the Mets from um from pulling you know, pulling through with this deal. And the phys- and the physical that's going to have to take place in the coming days to make the Correa deal official. So clearly, it, it's something that happened between ownership and the front office that there there ended up being a disconnect, and the doctors were all set to clear him, and they were all set to introduce him as. Their latest star, and remember, this has been a bad offseason for the San Francisco Giants, 
right? First of all, you're competing in the division with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we'll get to them in a little bit because they've made some moves. Um, the San Diego Padres, who've had you know a, a pretty big offseason, and they 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 tried going pretty big too. Um, we'll get to th- we'll get to them in a little bit, and you know because they got one of the they got one of the star shortstops, um, Xander Bogarts, to an eleven year deal. So they're already the Giants are already dealing with a division that's very difficult, right? Um, between the Dodgers and the Padres, then their main focus was getting Aaron Judge, and as we know today, just a little while ago. Aaron Judge was introduced, reintroduced to the New York media, um, and he was named the 16th captain in New York Yankees history. So congratulations to Aaron Judge on a very pre- a prestigious honor. Um, he is the right person for the captaincy. He is the right person for New York. He's very mild-mannered. He's very good with the media. And we've seen through his first six years with the Yankees um, – how well he handles adversity and how well he handles everything. And so he's the perfect figure for New York. So Aaron Judge staying there for another nine years, which John and I discussed a couple of weeks ago on the last podcast. And the Giants had thought they were getting him. And John Heyman had that report and they backed off it because they seemed like they jumped the gun. And then Yankees owner Hal Steinbrenner um, at the 11th hour wanted to make sure that Aaron Judge wanted to be a Yankee. Aaron said, give me a ninth year. They gave him a ninth year. And the Giants lose out. So then, they're, then they go to their plan B, right? They were going to sign a star shortstop. All right, well, Trey Turner went to Philadelphia. I just mentioned that Alexander Bogarts went to um, San Diego. You had, uh, and, and then you had Carlos Correa whom they end up getting. And now it's like, well, okay, cool. We got Carlos correct. And then this happens. So I don't know where the Giants go next. Um, I really don't know where the Giants go next because this, this is something um, that they're going to really have to, uh, they're going to have to bounce back from. So... Uh, oh, and Dansby Swanson was the fourth shortstop. And Dansby Swanson, um, just a little while ago, officially announced by the Cubs' uh, official Twitter um, and Cubs' ownership, seven years, $177 million deal. Um, Dansby Swanson to the Chicago Cubs. Now, that that deal made a lot of sense. We'll get into that deal a little bit uh, in a little while as well. But... The Giants think they get their guy, and now they're left standing at the altar. Right there, there's nothing. There's nothing left this offseason that can salvage what has happened to them. Um, you know, the Mitch Hanniger deal is nice. Having Jock Peterson return on the one year qualifying offer is nice. Um, but you, but you look at the you look at the, the San Francisco Giants lineup, and it's just not. Anything to be desired. And and you got to remember, Carlos Rodon signs a six-year deal, and he leaves the Yankees. I mean, he, I'm sorry, he leaves the Giants to go to the Yankees. 
And now you're looking at a projected starting lineup. And this is from Talking Baseball at uh, at Talking Baseball on Twitter. Tyro Estrada at second base, Mike Yastrzemski in center, Mitch Hanniger in right field, whom they got from the Mariners. Uh, Jock Peterson at DH, Wilmer Flores at third, Brandon Crawf- Crawford. All of a sudden, now goes back to shortstop. Um, there was there had already been internal discussions within the organization between front office and Brandon about a potential move to third base for the latter stages of his career. Now that um, you know Correa would be in the fold, but he goes but he goes back to shortstop. J.D. Davis at first base, Lamont Wade Jr. in left, um, who's actually had some big hits over the last couple of years, especially in twenty twenty one. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. had a nice impact. And Joey Bart, the top prospect catcher, um, who really struggled in the big leagues last year, but you know they have a lot of high hopes for. And to be honest, that, that, that just leaves a lot to be desired, right? They did sign Ross Stripling away from the Toronto Blue Jays, right? A, a guy who's familiar with the National League West being a former Dodger. Um, but... This offseason has become a complete failure if you're the uh if you're the uh uh Giants because you had you had your sights set out on Aaron Judge. You didn't get him. You had your sights set out on Carlos Correa. You thought you closed the deal and you de- and it ends up not working out. And now he goes to the New York Mets. And now the Mets lineup all of a sudden, looks a hell of a lot scarier, and we're gonna get to that next. We're gonna we're gonna go to the Mets impact. Obviously, uh, late last week, the Mets introduced Brandon Nemo, uh, reintroduced Brandon Nemo um, at a press conference. Um, they introduced Kodai Senga, whom they signed to a five-year, seventy-five million dollar deal. Um, they introduced Justin Verlander yesterday on the two-year, eighty-six million dollar deal. And now all of a sudden you're looking at a, sh- a rotation of Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, uh, Kodai Senga. They also signed Carl, uh, Jose Quintana to a two-year deal worth, I think, about uh, like $25 million. So he's getting about 12 13 a year. Um, you know, obviously you have Carlos Carrasco at the back end um, with guys like David Peterson, Tyler McGill, um, Joey Lucchese, guys who are going to be depth pieces uh, and have to step in. If in fact there's some injuries, the Mets also signed Adam, re-signed Adam Adovino to a two-year, fourteen and a half million dollar deal with uh, an opt-out after 2023. They signed David Robertson to a one-year deal. Obviously, we know about the re-signing of Edwin Diaz right at the start of free agency back in November. Uh, he didn't even really get the free agency. It was literally the day after the World Series. Edwin Diaz was back with the Mets. Um, so and now all of a sudden the bullpen right is lo- is looking a lot better right you acquire Brooks Raley a, a tough lefty and a trade from the Rays you you have David Robertson in the fold you re-sign Adam Adovino you re-sign Edwin Diaz and then all of a sudden that back end of the bullpen and you expect Drew Smith to get better and, and I still and it it does seem like they're not a hundred percent done with the bullpen um, even with all the money they've spent and we'll get to that I mean the the Mets have spent a ton of money um, this off season. Especially adding in the three hundred fifteen million for Carlos Correa, but I mean, they, so their pitching they felt was starting to take shape, and they feel like their team is set from a pitching standpoint. 
And, you know, there have been reports out there that Steve Cohen has told people that he's not satisfied with the Met lineup. And the fact that this was able to get done, and this changes the, con- the complexion of the New York Met lineup. Right, you look at you look at last year and where they got production from, where they lacked production. Right, they lacked production from the catcher spot. Well, they did sign Omar Narvaez, who was not the best offensive catcher. Um, did have a good year in twenty twenty one, and he's only thirty years old. Uh, last year did not have a good offensive year, but he's one of the better framers in all of baseball. Right, uh, Tomas Nito is a gr- very good defensive catcher, but can't really hit a lick. Um, you know, obviously that means they're going to trade James McCann. Right, and then what do you do with Francisco Alvarez, the top prospect in all of baseball? Um, you know, is he going to be a part-time DH? Is he going to catch some? Are the Mets going to carry three catchers? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think they trade both McCann and Nito. I think it's just James McCann, um, especially with the two years, twenty-six million dollars attached to it. Not that the Mets are worried about that. You look at the way they're spending money; they don't care about the money. It's a, it's a roster construction thing. And crunching down to make sure the fi- you, you get to the final 26 that you bring north from Port St. Lucie to Queens um, for opening day, March 30th. And now, here's what the projected Mets lineup uh, looks like. And, you know, everybody has their you know different, differentiating opinions of who might bat where. But this is what uh, was tweeted out by Buster Olney at Buster ESPN, uh, who, by the way, hates the Mets. Um, but let's... That that's a different story for a different time. Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Carlos Correa at third base, Jeff McNeil, Mark Canna, Daniel Vogelbach, Tomas Nito. That scares me a hell of a lot more than it does without Carlos Correa. And the fact that Carlos Correa is willing to play third base and play next to his buddy Francisco Lindor um, and he's going to play third base, I believe, in the World Baseball Classic because he is playing for Team Puerto Rico as is Lindor. And we saw back in the last World Baseball Classic, now fortunately it was six years ago, uh, because the I believe there was supposed to be a World Baseball Classic in 2020 or 2021, but it got canceled because of the pandemic. Um, we saw back in 2017... Carlos Correa was the third baseman. Francisco Lindor was the shortstop, right? So we've seen them work together as a tandem on the left side of the infield, albeit a short time. Um, but we've all, that means we've seen Carlos Correa uh, play third base. Now, Carlos Correa, I do think a lot of people thought he'd grow out of being a shortstop because he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's a, a bigger shortstop, right? He's six foot four. 220 pounds, you know, and, and this is kind of the same thing I had always said about Corey Seager, um, because, Co- you know, Corey, because Corey Seager is uh, six foot, uh, where is his, yeah, he's six foot four as well. Um, I had always said Corey Seager would grow out of being a shortstop and become a third baseman. Um, obviously, that never uh, materialized, and he's obviously now the starting shortstop with the Texas Rangers for the next nine years. Uh, going into the second year of his 10-year deal. But Carlos Correa, uh, I always thought was going to grow into a third baseman as well. And now he's going to be a third baseman. And, you know, we've seen it in this town before, right? Derek Jeter, the captain, the, the pride of the Yankees, basically. And then the Yankees acquire Alex Rodriguez. 
And Alex Rodriguez goes and plays, plays third base. Now, the difference between A-Rod and Jeter and Correa and Lindor is that Correa and Lindor have a tremendous relationship. Jeter and A-Rod were never fuzzy, warm and fuzzy together. Um, you know, that, that's fact. And you've seen it in, whether it's the Jeter documentary or anything about A-Rod, there was always that tension between Alex Rodriguez and, and Derek Jeter. There's not that between Correa and Lindor. So this is, this is a seismic shift across baseball. This is seismic. Um, now and now, the Met, the, the Mets have you know already one of the best rosters in baseball, and have now furthered that in in adding Carlos Correa. So, and you look at and you look at what these teams have done, right? You look you look at what the especially in the National League East. You look at what these teams have done. The Philadelphia Phillies have have really done a job a job to go all in, right? They know they're going to miss Bryce Harper for a significant portion of 2023, but they bring in his former teammate Trey Turner on an 11 year, uh, 300 plus million dollar deal. So Trey Turner is going to be a shortstop, and that and that was one position. Um, even though Bryson Stott did an, an an admirable job at times last year. But they just really didn't get a ton of production from. Now they get that with Trey Turner. Um, we see them bring in Taiwan Walker on a four-year deal um, to be in the middle of that rotation with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. So, I mean, you see the Phillies spending big money over the last few off-seasons, right? Bryce Harper uh, four or five years ago. Um, Nick Castellanos last year. Kyle Schwarber's on a four-year deal. Um they take advantage of some guys who were on, who, who had big contract years, and you're getting a guy like Trey Turner, whose contract I think is going to age very well because uh, the way he plays the game and every, you know everything he does is just it's just super smooth and he's such a clean hitter. Um, it's got one of the best swings uh, by a right-handed hitter, and I think that's and that it bothers me as a Met fan, but. Hey, look what we're doing. We're spending the money as well, um, and but that that contract's gonna be that contract's gonna be so good. Uh, you know that takes him through his age 40, 41 season. I think at forty years old, Trey Turner's still gonna be a very productive player. And it might not be the production that you're gonna get at ages 30, 31, 32, 33. but he's gonna be a very productive player in his late thirties into his early forties. So I think that's a tremendous deal for the Phillies. As for the Braves, they're having an interesting offseason, right? They lose Kenley Jansen uh, to the Boston Red Sox. They lose Dansby Swanson to the Chicago Cubs. Um, Jansen gets a two-year, $32 million deal with the Red Sox, which we'll get to the Red Sox in a minute because they, they have issues of their, of their own. Um, and they are one of the teams that lost one of the star shortstops. And... You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Braves are any better, right? Um, I would think maybe they go one or two year deal on maybe a middling shortstop that might still be out there in free agency. Um, but obviously, losing Dansby Swanson and Freddie Freeman in back to back off seasons is very tough, right? You win the 2021 World Series, 
Um, you had 101 wins last year, um, tied for the second most in the National League with the Mets, uh, just behind the Dodgers. And you win the division based on beating the Mets 10-9 to in the season series. And I don't know... I don't know that they got I don't know that they got better. Right? We saw them we did see them trade for catcher Sean Murphy and they traded William Contreras to the Milwaukee Brewers as a part of a three team deal with the Brewers, A's and Braves. But now you have a conundrum where are right, is Travis Darno gonna DH some days? Is Murphy gonna DH some days? Or right, how are you gonna split the time behind the plate? And I and I think that's the one position though that can work because being a catcher is such a taxing position. Playing catcher is such a taxing position that you could you could have two really good catchers, and that's what the Braves do have. Um, obviously, last off season they got uh, Matt Olson from the A's. You know we've seen them lock up their young stars like Austin Riley. Um, obviously, Olson came over; he got his big contract. Um, Michael Harris, the rookie of the year, got a long term deal. Spencer Strider got a long term deal. Um, it was really Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson, and Max Freed. Now, Max Freed has one more year to go. Um, he is a free agent after the 2023 season. And it seems like there are certain guys that they, they just aren't able to lock up, and the others they are. And listen, the Braves have a great core. They're going to be around for a number of years. But the National League East is going to be – it's going to be full of giants, literally – and, you know, the Braves, Phillies, and Mets, it's going to be a three-team arms race for the division title. And then it's going to be about winning in the postseason. You know, with the six playoff teams, you feel like if, if you're a National League team and you're not in the National League East, you feel like there's only one playoff spot available. Now, the National League Central is no given. Um, we saw what happened to the Brewers late in the season. They kind of faded, um, and they've had an okay off season. The Cardinals, they signed Wilson Contreras away from the Cubs. Um, that's a great replacement for um, Yadier Molina, who retired in the off season. Obviously, you brought back Wayne Wright on a one year deal. Um, your Cardinals will be good. Do you think the Cubs will be better now that uh, Dansby Swanson's in the fold? But they're going to have to hit on a couple more prospects. The Cubs also signed Jamison Tyone as well. So the Cubs have spent some money in the offseason trying to get better. You know the Pirates and Reds have no interest in winning right now. Um, As I just saw Bob Nutting, who's the owner of the Pirates, uh, trending on Twitter. And I'm going to have to figure out, see what that's about. Um, And then you look at the National League West. I mean, the Dodgers and Padres, it's, it's almost like... It's almost like you feel like the National League playoffs are set for next year. But what order is it going to be, right? It's going to be some central winner, whether it's the Cardinals or Brewers. You ain't winning the wild card because it's going to – of course, anything can happen. Injuries could happen. Somebody falls out and misses the playoffs. But but if you're projecting the National League, you kind of feel like – you know who the six teams are, right? It's going to be the Mets, Braves, and Phillies. It's going to be some com- some combination of either the Brewers or the Cardinals winning the National League Central. Maybe the Cubs, but maybe they're more so a year away. 
And then the Dodgers and the Padres. Can the Padres catch up to the Dodgers in the regular season? That's one thing that we'll be interested in, in seeing. And, and I wonder if it'll be a divisional race next year. Um, the Dodgers blew away the Padres in terms of the division uh, in the regular season. But when it came down to a short series, and a five-game series, the Padres were able to beat them in four and get to the NLCS. So the gap is closed. The gap is finally closed between the Padres and the Dodgers. For all the shit I talked to the Padres for not being for doing all this work and not closing out closing the gap between them and the Dodgers. They shut me up, they proved me wrong in the postseason because that's when it really mattered. And they won in four games over the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Dodgers are a team that lost a star shortstop and the Padres gained a short a star shortstop. Now not a not not a swap, if you will. Um, it was Alexander Bogarts who left the Boston Red Sox to go to the uh, San Diego Padres, and it was Trey Turner leaving the Dodgers to go to the Phillies. So, and, but the, but the Dodgers are pretty comfortable with the talent that they have, right? The Dodgers are one of the best organizations in terms of scouting department, um, their development department, and, and you feel like the prospects that can come up are going to make a big impact, right? I, I'm I'm pretty comfortable. And I'm sure, as, I'm sure, as they are too, they're comfortable with going with Gavin Lux at shortstop. I'd be comfortable with that as well. I think Gavin Lux is going to be a tremendous player. Um, you know, second base could be a bit of an issue um, with Justin Turner going to the Red Sox. You'd think Max Muncy probably returns to third base unless you want to keep Max at second and then you figure something out at third base. We saw the Dodgers sign J.D. Martinez to a one-year deal. Um, that shores up the DH spot. You know, we'll see what they do in center field. Obviously, Bellinger uh, went to the Cubs. You know, Cody Bellinger on a one-year, seventeen million dollar deal. I would not, I would not have given Cody Bellinger that much money. But you know, the Cubs obviously felt like that was the number to get to for him, and they got their they got their guy. And you know, it's a one-year prove-it deal if you're Cody Bellinger, right? Here's a guy who won Rookie of the Year in 2017. And one MVP in 2019 has fallen off the face of the earth. So, I mean, and, and after 2019, uh, you know, even after 2020, the shortened season, it wasn't all that great in the regular season, but he had a really good postseason where he was hitting clutch home run after clutch home run, including the home run in the World's, in the National League Championship Series that got them to the World Series, that put them ahead for good. You thought, wow, this guy's getting 200, 300 million. This guy's getting a ton of money. He has to settle for a one-year, $17 million deal. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to see where... You know, the Dodgers definitely have some questions, uh, more questions than in years past, but the Dodgers are pretty set. I mean, you obviously have the long-term commitment to Freddie Freeman, the long, long-term commitment to Mookie Betts. You have a tremendous catcher in, um, in um, Will Smith. You've Austin Barnes there as well. You know you got you got you got Clayton Kershaw. Um, they they just signed Noah Syndergaard. Obviously, you have Julio Urias. I don't think you'll see Walker Buehler in twenty twenty three, um, rehabbing from Tommy John surgery. I don't remember exactly when he had the surgery, but I would imagine you're probably not going to see him until twenty twenty four. Um. The Dodgers are 
Dodgers are going to be a very good team. Make no mistake about that. I don't know if they're the championship caliber team of years past. And that's fine. You know, they, want to, they might want to go all in on Shohei Otani next offseason. And, you know, that might, be, that might be their game plan going forward. So, but I still think the Dodgers are a 95 to 100 win team. The Padres could be the same. And I think we might have a real race in the National League West. And like I said, we're going to have a three-team arms race in the National League East. Over in the American League, um, real quick, you know, what is going on with the Boston Red Sox? I feel like the Red Sox are in a very precarious position as a, as a, as a franchise right now. Um, you know, they were able to get Kyle Schwarber for a half season after he went to the Nationals, and he was real good for them, right? And they got to the postseason last year. They got to, I, think, I believe they actually got to the ALCS, um, where they lost to the, Red, uh, the Astros in 2021. And then they fall off the face of the earth. You know, it's kind of weird, the ebbs and flows of the Red Sox, but I'm kind of not understanding the... I'm not really understanding the thought process and the uh, level of thinking of Hein Bloom, their general manager. You know, a couple of years ago, and they did it at the right time because they knew they weren't, they knew they weren't going to be able to re-sign him, they traded Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. And that trade has just not worked out. You know, they it was just re- recently announced that they DFA'd uh, Jeter Downs, who was the, one of the main prospects uh, that came back in that deal. Alex Verdugo has been okay. But they weren't able to re-sign Mookie Betts. They clearly were not able to re-sign Xander Bogarts. And they were not even close. Like, they were not even in the ballpark. Of, uh, of Alexander Bogarts, their offer was less than two hundred million, and Bogarts got close to three hundred million. I think it was eleven for two eighty, if I'm not mistaken. And the fact that they're not in the neighborhood of their own guy is concerning. And now you're hearing they're nowhere near any kind of financial money that Rafael Devers is asking for. Now, Devers is under contract for one more year. Uh, He'll be a free agent at the end of 2023. But I'm not so sure that the Red Sox are going to be able to keep Rafael Devers. And if that's three stars in in less than four years, because think about it. It was, I think... January of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, was when the trade went down. Right after the 2019 season. So January twenty January or so, or February 2020, that deal goes down where Mookie Betts is traded to the uh, LA Dodgers. And... That was the, seg- that was the signal... That the Red Sox are financially in trouble because he ended up getting a twelve-year, three hundred sixty-five million dollar deal with the Dodgers, and you know that is a, that's a pretty massive contract. Um, yeah, 
February 10th, 2020 was the official date of the trade. Um, and that, that really was this big signal that the Red Sox are financially in trouble. Because I think Mookie's still the best of the three. Um, I think Xander and uh, Raphael are tremendous players. And I think they're going to... And Raphael's going to get a tremendous contract. And, you know, and, and Xander got a tremendous contract from the Padres. But the Red Sox, I just don't kind of understand their direction. And not being able to keep their stars and, not, and just not, not being even close is it, so concerning. For a big market team like the Boston Red Sox, you know, we know that they'll spend money, right? Sometimes it's not always in the right place. Um, seven years, $217 million for David Price was an absolute disaster. The Chris Sale contract has been an absolute disaster. But is that but is that is is that what is is that what is prohibiting the ownership from spending? Because these are their own guys. These are homegrown players. And they're not keeping them. Instead, you you spent on a guy who had spent his career with the Tampa Bay Rays, um, Detroit Tigers, uh, also, also a short time with the Blue Jays, David Price did. Um, you know, a non-homegrown guy. You trade for Chris Sale and you pay him from the White Sox. And he's nothing but injured. Now, to be fair, he came back from his injury this year. He got hit with a line drive. Completely mangled his hand. And that was the end of him. It was a fractured pinky. That's very unfortunate. But Chris Sale can't shake the injury bug. And Chris Sale is just nowhere near the player he was in Chicago. So, I don't know the direction of the Boston Red Sox. And they're in a division in which the New York Yankees just re-signed Aaron Judge. They signed Carlos Rodon to a six-year, $162 million deal. They you know, are clearly going to look for a left fielder um, because Andrew Benintendi left to go to Chicago White Sox, five-year, $75 million there. And... The Yank, it's it's like we know the Yankees' direction, right? They're 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 gunning for a championship. Are they there? Have they reached Houston? They're getting closer. I think the Carlos Rodon deal is tremendous, but I still would like to see them add more to the lineup. And ridding the Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks contracts remains priority number one, because you know Hal Steinbrenner is um, luxury tax conscious to a degree. So they're going to have to shed some money to be able to reallocate that money. So, But you've got the Yankees. The Rays are just this team that's always like good. Um, I don't know how they do it. Um, I don't know how they continue to win when they get rid of talent. But they do it. And they're probably going to be a, a solid team again. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays have a ton of talent. You know, and they, and they, and they, and they continue to 
add to their team. You know, you see, you see what you see what they have. It, you know, they're they're a tremendous team. They get Chris Bassett to add to their rotation, not a three year deal. To go with Manoa, Barrios, um, and then the lineup is tremendous. I know they did trade Teoscar Hernandez in the off season, but you know, overall. Like, the Blue Jays roster is a very good roster. And then you have the Baltimore Orioles, a very young, up-and-coming team who almost nearly made the playoffs last year. And it is no secret, the Boston Red Sox are not even close to any of those four teams. And, and so, I'm sure they're looking at a potential rebuild, but... Boston doesn't have the patience for the city of Boston just does not have the patience for that kind of rebuild. And I know they've had their successes of building it up, tearing it down. Um, you saw you saw them finish dead last in twenty twelve, right? After the collapse in twenty eleven. You saw them finish dead last in twenty twelve under Bobby Valentine. Twenty thirteen they win the World Series. Twenty fourteen they're dead last again. Uh so they're 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 good at these coming out of nowhere years. Look at last year. Um, I mean, they were in the playoffs in 2020, so they had some string of, uh, they did start to have a run of success again after winning the 2018 World Series, but right back to dead last. So, I don't know where they're going. As for the White Sox, as we get to the American League Central, and then we'll talk about the American League West and get out of here, um... The White Sox obviously signing Benintendi is a good move. Um, they're still taking offers on on a Liam Hendricks trade. I feel like they're like in they're like in the middle of the road right now, and they're not. It's like they're they've reached a fork in the road, and they don't know whether to go left or to right. They don't know whether to keep going and go for a championship, or to kind of just be middle of the pack team. It kind of feels like they're more of a middle-of-the-pack team right now. You know, They were the most disappointing team in all of baseball last year. I thought they were going to be the best team in the AL and that they were going to win the pennant and get to the World Series. They didn't even make the postseason. Um, the, the Guardians won the division. Uh, the Twins were up top for a while before they fell apart. Uh, you know, and the, the, tw- the Twins have had a good offseason, too. Um, they've spent a little bit of money. Um, the Guardians, they got Josh Bell. Um, that's a good move. They're going to be a good team again. They always have good pitching. You know, we know the Royals and Tigers. I mean, the Tigers should be better. I thought they'd be the most improved team in baseball last year. That didn't work out. My pick of the, my pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL being the most improved team uh, has certainly uh, panned out better than me saying the Detroit Tigers were going to be uh, a very improved team in the American League Central. But... Um, you know, one second. But you know, um, I don't know where the I don't know where the Royals are going. Um, the Tigers should be better. And then you get to the American League West. Now, in the American League West, 
we see the Angels make some good moves. Um, we saw the addition of um, Tyler Anderson from the Dodgers. We saw the addition of Brandon Drury. You know, if you know, it feels like the Angels are making their improvements, and they're in a tough. They're in a tough, tough. Uh, division, right? With the Mariners making the playoffs for the first time in 21 years, with the Astros winning the World Series and, um, you know, being the perennial contender that they have been. So the offseason, they've signed um, Carlos Estevez, the reliever, um, talked about the move for Drury that's still... Um, you know, not official yet. They just, that was just, uh, came down recently. Um, so they, they got Hunter Renfro in the trade from the Brewers, uh, in exchange for Jansen Junk, Elvis Paguero, uh, Adam Seminaris. The Angels should be a better team. Uh, I think their pitching still needs to improve a little bit, but um, you'd think they'll be better. There's more questions about playoff spots in the American League than there are in the National League, and and I do think there is room to open things up if you're the Angels and maybe sneak into a spot because you figure the Yankees for sure, obviously. A winner from the Central like the Guardians, the Astros will still be there despite losing Justin Verlander to the Mets. Um, you would you'd think they'll be there. Um, you're looking at the Blue Jays are a playoff contender. You're looking at the Rays are a playoff contender. But they, you know, the Braves could be knocked off. You know, they're no guarantee. You'd think the Mariners would be back. So the, there's a couple of spots for jockeying. And that brings me to the Texas Rangers. Um, because obviously the Oakland A's don't you know don't spend a single penny. Surprised to sign Trevor May uh, from the Mets, but that was a one year seven million dollar deal, and I actually I think he's the highest paid A at this point, which is pretty laughable. But yeah, and look, no knock against Trevor May. I I love I love Trevor May. I think he's a very good reliever, but um, you know. The fact that he's their highest paid is just, just pretty remarkable. So, the Rangers. Obviously, last offseason, they signed Marcus Simeon. They signed Corey Seager. And that really began their trek of spending a lot of money. And then they signed Jacob DeGrom to the five-year $175 million deal or something like that. Um, and then you signed Andrew Haney. So, and you hired Bruce Bochy as the manager. So you'd think the Rangers are going to be a lot better this year. But the Rangers are in, like in, a, in a, a crowded group of mid-tier teams. And it's no guarantee whether or not they make the playoffs. I mean, really, it's no guarantee for anybody to make the playoffs. But I don't know that you could, specific, you could specifically say that there's a place in the postseason for the Texas Rangers in 2023. Um... I do think they'll be better, but, you know, we'll see. So, 
All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Baseball Banter. We'll talk to you again soon. If there's breaking news, we'll pop back on because that Carlos Correa stuff was absolutely wild. Um, you can catch me on SportsWire Radio every Friday night. Friday Night Sports Talk. We do our NFL picks, baseball, talk, and all that. Um, this is on uh, Sports. This, this podcast will be on SportsWire Radio. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. Um, on Sako Media Network as well. So, Justin Ginelli, we'll talk to you again soon.